Welcome to Occupying Force with Richard and Kimberly Wilson. There's a spiritual war that's going on for our communities. It's a war between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And God wants to equip us to be His occupying force in our communities. Join in today to learn more. Well, you may be wondering why we picked this particular topic called Occupying Force. Kimberly and I have been involved for decades in the ministry and been working with people in terms of intercession, also been working with leaders, and even in terms of that which has to do with community issue and those things. One of the things that we've seen is that many people really want to see measurable results, and they may do a particular event or a project or something, but they don't really see continuous measurable results. One of the things that we recognize is that there's a need for an occupying force. An illustration that I think of is that we believe in evangelism. We believe in discipleship. We want to see those things happen. But in most of the nations, there can be millions of people that have come to Christ. And even then, they're taught biblical things, but they're not taught how to get involved in their society. Therefore, there's no change in their society. The other thing that we encounter in the church is the mentality of just sitting back and waiting till Jesus comes. And the danger in that is we have many Christians who don't even know that they have a voice and that they can go out and be the voice of the Lord in their cities and their communities and take their faith outside of the four walls of the church. So what we're hoping that you will gain during our times together during this Occupying Force podcast is that you will have tools to really become a societal transformer, one who will bring the kingdom into the places where you work, where you shop, the schools that you attend or your children go to, and really make a difference to see thy kingdom come here upon the earth. So we're going to start today just looking at Genesis chapter 1 and recognize and begin to pull out where it all started and recognize that God was the originator of occupation. And so I'm going to read a couple of verses. This is Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So we see from these scriptures, and we don't know a a whole lot about it, Uh, rabbis have a lot of different things to say about it, but there was some substance that was there that God himself, the creator, recognizes, comes into. One of the words that's used here is darkness. And so God, in the midst of that darkness, then releases light. Light always dispels darkness. And so if we talk about occupying, God himself in the very beginning stepped in to occupy and begin to shift things in a way with that light so that darkness would have to be dispelled. He was the original occupying force. (laughs) You know, you're familiar with the Genesis story. And he even goes on, and in each place he created, he said those things was good. And then he creates man and woman, and he said, very good. So I'm going to read Genesis uh, chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. 
And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we see here that not only was God the originator of occupying, then he creates Adam and Eve in his very image and then gives them the mandate to occupy. And the first place he gave them to occupy, which we know was the garden. So he had set that in place and he says, now I, I want you to take care of it. I, I want you to steward it. I, I want you to protect it. And so we see even by his language when he says, hey, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it. Those are occupying terms. And of course, we do recognize that then the serpent comes and messes all of that up, but God never changed his mind about it. It was his intent that they would indeed occupy what God had given them to occupy. So from the beginning, when he started creating, we saw he brought all order into that which was chaotic. So he formed the structure for them to live in. He created the atmosphere for them to live in and then gave them a mandate of what they're supposed to do. Exactly. And then as the story goes, we already mentioned, then of course the serpent comes and, and deceives Adam and Eve. And then in that moment, everything shifts and changes. And what happens is then the war that we talked about, there, there's a spiritual war that's going on. It's fighting to see, okay, who who's going to actually be the ones that set cultural and set society, set the atmosphere. And so we, we call that the seed war. It's been going on. I mean, it was made very clear in the dialogue that God had with the serpent and with Eve at the end before they were put out of the garden. And we see all through scripture that that seed war just continues over and over and over. And as we go through this, these series of messages, that you will begin to develop that and you'll begin to see it. But the thing we want you to understand, it has always been God's intent that man would indeed occupy. So another passage of scripture that comes to my mind is that scripture makes it very clear that the government of God rests upon Jesus. So then, once again, we're seeing that government is important to God. Government is established by God. And we recognize that there's always then on earth since the fall, a resistance to the government of God. But it doesn't change the fact that then no God wants his government established on earth. Now, as we talk about that, it's, it's not a government that controls. It's not a government that makes people do things. What it is, it's a government that sets things in place where people will freely choose God because of the great love that he has. But it is a government and it is filled with power and it's filled with authority. And so in that, and we recognize that it takes a government to overthrow a government. And most of the time, sometimes that sounds very negative, but we're talking about in the spiritual realm. We're not just talking, we're not talking about just in the natural. So as we look at these things, and we're even going to look at then the life of Jesus and how he pointed those things out, it's very clear that God then, part of his stewardship to us in establishing his occupying force, 
it's going to then take his authority, his power, and an understanding that it's his government, which again, if we go back to where we started in Genesis, it's a government of light that then overtakes a government of darkness. You know, the term occupying force has uh, different meanings to different people. And in our war culture and military, it's really known as, you know, a group that comes in and takes over a territory or a nation. And so there's this connotation that it's a negative thing, that it's bad, that it a group is coming in and dominating another group of people but there is the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness and we see in so many of our communities that they're taken over by the kingdom of darkness that they are being occupied by an evil force rather than god's eternal light force and so it, if we could start looking at our communities that way, start looking at where is the enemy ruling and where is light ruling, we'll start being able to discern where God wants us to target to be an occupying force for the kingdom of God in those particular territories. And, and that's what we're excited about, is, is being able then to share practical examples, scriptural principles and examples where that's taken place. Because it, it's not that the Christians don't care. They do care, but most of the time they don't know how to plug in. They don't know what to do about it. Okay, I recognize it. And then what's happened is most of the message that was preached way, way back was all those things are evil. So just leave them alone. You know, just stay inside the walls of the church. Don't try to get involved out there in culture, even to the point that the message came that God doesn't care about those things. But we recognize now through his very word, no, he's always cared about those things because that's the manifestation of his kingdom. You can't have a manifestation of his kingdom if the education system is corrupt and a mess. You can't have a manifestation of his kingdom. You can in part. Okay, because we've seen that. You can in part, but what God really wants is a magnified, multiplying manifestation of his kingdom on, on the earth that takes into all those things that we call spheres or we call jurisdictions or we call seven mountains. God wants those things to bring about the glory of his son. So one of the things that we've seen in our years is that once again, we've had those concerns about an education system, for example. And so you're like, okay, what can be done here? Where, where's the place? Well, one of the things we recognize is that prayer people, intercessors, can then at least go to the meetings, hear what's going on, and have a lot more targeted, informed intercession and in how to pray. The other thing they find out is who sits in those seats. And they recognize this person is not a person that carries the light. This person is a person that carries the light. And so they can even add those names to their prayer list in terms of becoming a, a reinforcement of what it is that God wants to do there. And then they can even get involved then in terms of who the candidates are. And they know what those candidates are all about. And it becomes educated even in terms of their voting and how they're going to vote. 
And we've seen some of that take place. We live just outside of Tampa. And when Obama threw down the whole bathroom law and was just going to say, oh, guys can go in girls' bathrooms and all of that, well, there was a wake up. Moms woke up. All of a sudden, pastors woke up and said, whoa, th this is not right. Th this is not what God wants. It's absolutely a violation against the kingdom of God. And so at that point, then people, and, and again, we had people in place, we had leaders in place that were kind of keeping up with those issues. And so we began inviting people to come to the school board meetings, even helping them in terms of what to say when, when they went to the front. And long story short, what ended up happening is we had pastors and ministry leaders from all different denominations that were standing up before the school board and saying, hey, we represent 27,000 votes. We represent 14,000 votes. And, and we're going to be watching you to see how you handle these kinds of things. They got their attention and they began to be careful of how they were going to navigate through what had just been kind of thrown at them uh, uh, about, well, guys can go into girls' bathrooms. So we literally saw some measurable results by getting involved in that, not keeping our head in the sand. And, um, and we saw policies begin to be changed because of those efforts. So to get to that point of having a team ready when there was a moment of crisis in the legislation that was going on in the county, there was some preparation that needed to be done. And there needed to be a mentality of, we're going to occupy our territory. How? By staying informed. And we have one friend that he stays informed on everything that's going on with education and the school board in our county. He's a watchman for that. And so he sounded the alarm. But along with his observations, he had relationships with other leaders that were in the community and they talked together, they counseled together, they prayed together. And so when the time came for everyone to answer the alarm of this issue at hand, there was a team already in place. So one of the things that I think happens so many times in our cities is that we don't have a plan on how to come together. And you may be a citizen listening to this program and you see things that are going on in your community and you have no clue how to get involved and really feel quite helpless in that. And our hope is as you listen to us and learn from us week after week, that you will gain tools to go in and not be intimidated to sit in a city council meeting or to go to a school board meeting or when there's a town hall meeting and find out what's going on in your community and being a voice for the kingdom. Now you might be afraid to talk in front of people. God may have you sit there as an intercessor for your community and just pray and watch and be observant of what's going on and share with your friends after you come out of the meeting that we need to pray for our city because they're wanting to do this, this, or this is going great over here and we want to bless that and be part of it. But without getting involved, it is very hard to really have intentional prayer that has feet to it. Yes. I mean, I've been there. I mean, I, I pastored for 23 years and it was only in the last, I don't know, maybe six, seven years that I was pastoring that I began to get outside the walls. And when I got out there, I recognized it was a foreign territory to me. And there were times that I went to council meetings and I was like, oh, I, I had no idea 
you know, and, and I didn't speak because I, I had watched some speak, people speak that shouldn't have been speaking and were causing more damage than they should have. I also recognized the spiritual atmosphere. You walked in there and all of a sudden you weren't ready for the dynamics of darkness, the intensity of the darkness that was working there. And you're walking in and yes, you're bringing light, but you want to bring light that's going to open doors, not shut doors. I remember being there and even saying to God, okay, God, you, you're going to have to help me. I want to be trained. I want to know how to move into those places and listen to Holy Spirit and speak when it's time to speak. And then in terms of operating together and building a team, because it, it one person, the, the man that we're talking about, I mean, he's been in so many of those meetings, but he literally developed almost saying, these are the points. I want you to come and speak, but here's the points that I want you to speak on. When they and, were in the Yes, when the they chamber. were in those meetings. Mm -hmm. and, and that's so important. So again, like Kimberly said, you may be afraid. You may like, I'm not one to speak. I don't have any idea what to say but God's putting together the resources out there of people that he's had in place and you come in and, and you just be part of the team. So, you know, you begin to, in the areas that you're interested in, you begin to then perk your ears open and, and watch who's involved, who's doing this, who, and then begin to say, okay, God, I want to, I want to meet that person, you know? So it does take some initiative on your part. And, and our prayer and hope is, is that we move through this journey together is that you're going to want to take the initiative. God will empower you. There'll be a literal grace that'll come up on your life that'll cause you to say, Hey, I want to move forward. I want to be a part of those things because God's planted a passion in each one of you. Mm -hmm. If we go back to where we started, even in Genesis, then in that we recognize God's placed every one of us in a garden and in the garden he's placed us in, he's placed us there with a passion. And there's a lot of different gardens, you know, so we've mentioned the seven mountains, there's even more. So those are the places you have a passion for. It'll be the place that you recognize God's called you to, and he'll begin to link you with those so that that garden can indeed expand and there can be a greater manifestation of the kingdom of God. So what do you do with what we just shared? First, you ask the Lord, Lord, what is the garden that you've given me to tend? And how you figure that out, like Richard said, is ask the Lord, what you know, what passions have you put in me and what can I do about it, Lord? And you'd be surprised at how he loves to talk about what you can do for him in, in his kingdom. Then the second thing is ask the Lord, are there those in my community that I can be in relationship with that are like-minded, that have a heart to see the kingdom of God manifest here and start meeting with them, have coffee and get together for lunch, talk on the phone, or in this day and age, Zoom call, have a conference call, but learn how to begin to work together to see that transformation come. And then the third thing is don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. God really wants you to be his voice on the earth. So we just encourage you to, to step out and to ask him. And we believe that he's going to lead you on his path to the garden that he has for you. Thank you for tuning in to Occupying Force. We're glad that you joined us today. 
To learn more about the ministry of Richard and Kimberly Wilson, go to www.occupyingforce.org. And don't forget to subscribe. You can do that at cpnshows.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us.